Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 22nd of April 2013. Newcomers as always look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, lots of information on it where you go through the big system that's now all around you and how it started, and the people who started it up, their plans of course and the globalization, uh, not just family planning but global planning for population control, uh, food reduction, all that kind of stuff is still to come. And we're seeing everything enacted today as privatization goes on with the most major things that you need to survive, like food, water, and everything else. You'll find that the government's put more money into the big private corporations that sell their patented seat and so on. And, uh, and they have us all in a stranglehold now. It's like basic blackmail. We've got it. And uh, if you want it, otherwise you starve to death. That's what they've done with a lot of the third world countries out there. So it's total control. It's a new feudal system, as Professor Carl Quigley called it. And this was designed to come in at this time, this particular time. Number two, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can help me take along by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com while I explain the chronology, the art of chronology. There's a very ancient art. It's much better than it used to be, in fact, because now you have mass communication. And if you see something on TV, it must be true, right? It was on television, things like that. And I go through the history of it in the modern yeah, neurosciences and behaviorist psychology that's used on all of us on a daily basis. So help yourself, as I say. Now, from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to buy the books and discs, you can uh, use personal checks or international postal money orders from the U.S. to Canada. You can still use um, St. Cash or you can use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Straight donations really are really, really uh, very necessary at this time, actually. And we're going through so many dramas now. Whenever um, people slack off and go back to grazing, when it's a period of fairly calm, basically, in society, and then there's big agendas on the go, uh, and nothing's happening, things have to be made to happen. We know this from ancient times too to the present times. You've got to make something happen to validate all the cash you're using on all these special new uh, forces and so on they're using internally in different countries. They've told us before it's going to be perpetual war forever, and the war is to be worldwide, including inside your own countries. So this is what all this kind of stuff is about as we go global. And it's a quagmire out there of what's real, what isn't real, except for the massive Hollywoodish system that we've been witnessing, actually, uh, as they bring forth uh, the suspects, uh, all, all the various uh, photographs and so on that don't make sense at all, so many of them, and the way they're presented. Plus, you can see even to do with uh, how the army intelligence units involved, too, as they've always been abroad with their PR stunts and their own photography teams, making sure lots of photographs get out there of people celebrating martial law. Even Russia was saying, why are Americans celebrating martial law? But only in America, you see. And flags are handed out and so on. And then the big hero, just like the Batman movies, where the, the, you know, the mindless mob, with no names, they're running away and screaming, 
over something, or, or, they're, or they're cheering the hero. And that's the, the spread that the Daily Mail put on on Saturday. A whole massive, you know, album of pictures and pictures. And at the end, there's all the black vehicles and all the guys in their SWAT teams with the victory signs and all the rest of it. And literally, it was like made for Hollywood. You really, I couldn't believe it. And some of it's just too perfect, too many good posed photographs with people celebrating, etc. We live in fantasy. And really, our minds have been conditioned over many years with all the fantasy we indulge in with the television. And it's getting worse with every generation that passes. Back with more after this break. Folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and just mentioning that uh, everything you see today is Hollywood, basically, even a massive presentation like we've all witnessed as they, they show you the latest and the latest and the latest, etc., and all their latest Humvees and, and black uh, military machines, etc., and guys decked to the eyeballs and all their combat gear. Uh, it, it really is quite the, the, the stage. To, it really is it's for Hollywood, basically. And all those guys going around couldn't find the guy they were after, and so it's up to a guy who owns a boat, supposedly, to find the guy. I mean, not, nothing makes any sense in this at all. But anyway, there's a lot of uh, articles I've saved. I'll put them all up, and go through them all tonight, and uh, put them up at cuttingthroughmates.com for you to see for yourselves, and so on, start thinking, hopefully. Because um, it is true, uh, as I say, every major event that they're going to have, whether it's at uh, uh, the Rose Bowl or whatever, they always have uh, practice drills on the go, that they hire hundreds of people to go into these. In fact, they're professional teams that go in, in fact, uh, to them as well, who pretend they're hurt and so on and, and act the part of the wounded. That's standard stuff. That's, that happens at all major events today. And, of course, not everyone's in on the act, and real things can happen, and today it's all jumbled up. You don't know what's real and what isn't real anymore. But what you do know is the massive uh, plus for the present administration in the U.S., because they'll make hay out of this. They needed something to happen. It happens as televised like a Hollywood production, and everyone's glued to it across the world, not just in the U.S., and all the, the list, the wish list of things they want, new military equipment, new this, new that, and all the rest of it, uh, unless right, like rights for the populace will, will, will come through and all of this. And folk, when they're still shocked, will go along, oh, well, I guess we need it now, it's just not safe, etc., etc. But there's one article here, and it says World War Three. It says Boston bombings blowback for U.S. war in Syria. And explains unprecedented manhunt and Assad warned, uh, Assad, President Assad of Syria, warned of rebels turning on the West. And he says, it's quite, it's quite an interesting article. It says the West has paid heavily for funding Al-Qaeda in its early stages. Now, I think it was Kerry just announced it's going to double the funding to Al-Qaeda that's fighting in Syria. And this is, this is the, this wishy-washy name that they give to it. There are enemies, there are friends, enemies, friends. It's just to save the U.S. from going in and doing it itself and getting criticized for attacking Syria. That's all it's for. It's an army, all right. But anyway, it says, any attempt to make a link between Chechnya and the Sarnevs, if they're guilty, is pointless. They grew up in the U.S. and their views and beliefs were formed there. The roots of evil must be searched for in America. 
and says US main streamer media might like to tout to Russia Chechnya connection concerning the two suspects killed and wounded on Friday but what they don't tell you is this is that the US has been actively recruiting Chechens to go and fight in Syria now for all those who don't know where all these these rebel armies come from and it's been out in the British papers before when British uh, photographers and news guys were having captured by guys speaking perfect English uh, who are definitely um, uh, Muslims, but they've been speak perfect English and they've been paid to go over and fight against the government of, of Syria. Now, you understand, uh, it's the same in the States too now. So why do you think the FBI keep pestering certain people? They're recruiting people back home and then they fund them and send them off to fight in this big conglomeration of an army to take down the enemies of prod. And anybody who joins that is fair game is to be a patsy, basically. Fair game, if they go along with it. And when you pick on young, impressionable guys, and there's the guys at the top, their, their FBI uh, cards and all the rest of it, it's quite easy to impress them and say, oh, you're one of us, etc., etc., etc. Because it's a dirty, dirty world we live in, and dirty tricks are nothing new when it comes to this kind of tactic. Anyway, since the beginning of 2012, it was revealed by Saudi Arabia that the U.S., European, Israeli, Saudi-led insurgency, and that's what it is, folks. Uh, insurgency in, in Syria included large numbers of Chechens from Russia. Up to 6,000 foreign volunteers are fighting on the side of the Syrian opposition, and all, among them are Chechens, according to the Saudi intelligence, according to an AFP source in Riyadh. This is in these brigades under the flag of Al-Qaeda. Uh, are citizens of Algeria, Egypt, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, and also Chechnya. The U.S.-backed insurgent group, uh, says Jace uh, al-Muhajirin, was Ansar, Ansar, his name is, a.k.a. Muhajirin Brigade, fighting in Syria, was formed of a Chechen known as Abu Omar al-Chechen. Also, the al-Qaeda linked in the U.S.-backed Jabhat and Nusra al-Ali, Ash-Sham, it's called, which is also called Nusra Front, is made up of Chechens. According to the Pakistani Christian Post, most of the dirty work in the major operations conducted by insurgents are being done by Chechens. The article acts, accuses Turkey, Georgia and the US and the CIA of being behind the recruitment, training and deployment of Chechens in Syria. And Russian officials say they've known for a while now that the US is actively recruiting the Chechens to fight an illegal war in Syria. So it goes on to talk about the mother of the two boys and so on and how they, they were constantly harassed by the FBI. Now, why would they constantly harass them? They were trying, were they, were they trying to recruit them because that's what they do. So I'll leave that hanging in the wind because, as I say, the, the official stories matter anyway always sticks at the end and people are in shock and all that. They prefer to believe the, the, the well-groomed uh, people on television that they're so used to seeing to be told what to believe. But I'll put that in. Also, too, uh, with our beautiful global warming weather, I think uh, there's part of Canada where I live, too. We're all going to ask the IPCC for our fair share of global warming because it's been freezing here. And uh, we've had snow, sleet, rain, and temperatures 15 degrees below freezing for the last few nights again. And it's almost we're right into April, the last part of April. So it's all falling flat. It won't matter that they'll carry on and keep telling you it's global warming. And in Scotland, too, it says, believe it or not, this is no beautiful sandy beach. It's a farmer's field. Crop of barley is ruined by tons of sand blown across the land now. 
Uh, it's just like a desert when you look at this thing. And they already had problems in the northeast too, the same areas, Inverness and so on. In the winter with that strange foamy stuff that kept getting washed up, it was all like white shaving foam that was covering vast areas. Now they're blowing up sandstorms. And of course we know darn well that uh, the weather is modified and, and it's managed today. It's quite routine, I think. Now also, I'll put a bunch of things up on Boston for photographs and but through little leads on it as to what to look out for and so on and so on. Things that just don't make any sense. And also, it says, uh, FBI entraps U.S. citizen attempting to join U.S.-funded Al-Qaeda in Syria. This is the FBI's latest entrapment, Patsy uh, Abdella Ahmad Tunisi, a U.S. citizen. See, they're requiring them in the actual recruitment in the U.S. Attempted to join Al-Qaeda Syrian franchise, Jabhat al-Nusra. The agony is as Tunisi is charged with attempting to provide material support to a foreign terrorist organization. The U.S. State Department has announced an additional $123 million more in military aid to these very same terrorists. As the FBI reels from this bungled um, Boston bombings case where the suspects turned out to have been contacted and perhaps monitored, even directed by the FBI up to two years prior to the attacks, the Chicago Tribune has now reported on yet another bizarre FBI entrapment case hyped as a, a foiled would-be terrorist. It says in the article, and i put the links up for it too at cuttingthroughmates.com, FBI says Aurora Man wanted to join Al-Qaeda in Syria. This is from the Chicago Tribune. This is an 18-year-old Aurora man with ties to a foiled attempt to last year to bomb a downtown Chicago bar, was arrested as he was about to travel to the Middle East to join the Al-Qaeda terrorist network, federal officials said Saturday. Abdella Ahmed Turizi, the U.S. citizen, was, helped, was held with, uh, without bail Saturday after being arrested the night before at O'Hare's International Airport, where he was about to board an, an airplane to Istanbul, Turkey, FBI's officials said in a press release. It says, bizarre considering the U.S. ally and NATO member Turkey has hosted thousands of other known terrorists passing through Turkey's territory to invade Syria. And that's true, that's the route to take. And even facilitated their activities along with U.S. CIA agents near the Turkey-Syrian border since the conflict in Syria began in 2011. The Chicago Tribune would specifically mention Al-Qaeda's Syrian franchise, Jabhat al-Nusra. And Tunisia had hoped to eventually join a jihadist movement uh, operating inside Syria called Jabhat al-Nusra, according to the federal complaint, unsealed Saturday and filed in U.S. District Court. The organization is an alias for al-Qaeda in Iraq, the complainant said. So it really is crazy when they're recruiting these guys, and they'll pick a few of them up too, just for show to the public, but they're actually recruiting these guys, sometimes inside the States and sending them off to fight these wars against the countries they want taken down. So that's how, how weird and wonderful everything is today and mixed up things are. And that's why it's so confusing. Most folks simply turn off and they'll just wait and wait and wait for the official version and when the flags all get waved. Now, also it says the Fed Governor Stein warns that when a TBTF bank fails, depositors will be cypressed. That's the word they used. Two months ago, federal government Jeremy Stein caused a major still amongst the very serious Excel-using economists and other wannabe scientists come voodoo witch doctors when he hinted that it was the Fed's actions that were leading to overheating in the markets. To quite a bit of rhetoric by other very serious people to talk down his comments and give the impression that the S&P is, now about, is not about 50% overvalued. 
Today Steiner has managed to stick his foot in his mouth for the second time in a row and to do what virtually nobody in the status quo is capable of is he told the truth. In a speech titled Regulating Large Financial Institutions, Stein made something very clear. Uh, if, it says, and when a TBTF fails, and since the, this time is not a, a different and a failure is only a matter of time, depositors will lose everything, courtesy of some $300 million in gross unedited liabilities, which once there is a counterparty chain failure suddenly becomes very much net and immediately marginable a drain of cash, which now that Cyprus is a template is to be expected. Not only that, but Stein makes it all too clear that part of the Dodd-Frank Resolution Authority guidelines, a bailout is no longer an option. So, this is a new normal, and wait for your haircuts, folks. You'll all have crew cuts shortly. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And this article, too, is, again, is about Boston, but it says, is this proof that suspect Dokar Sarnev still had backpack on after the Boston bomb? Because there's pictures with him still walking through the crowds with his after the smokes all, all over the place with his backpack still on. I'll put it up again tonight for those who want to see it. And going back to 2000, I think it was um, 2009, this actually came out at first, but it was to do with Israel when they attacked uh, the Palestinians, which is an ongoing thing, but Israeli TV airs telephone call to father after the children were killed, and it's in English, and it, uh, it's quite something. This guy, was a, uh, he was a doctor who worked inside Israel at some of the main hospitals there, a gynecologist. And he was friendly with all the guys he worked with and so on. And during the, he'd already lost his wife, I think, a while back to, to, uh, Israeli tanks and so on. Well, then the, the tanks are there again. And this guy, he's just lost his, his, all his daughters, all killed as a tank blew up his house. And, uh, it's quite something else as it was aired live on Israeli TV because he phoned up the station and the, the people there knew him because he, as I say, he was well known in Israel and in the hospital sections and so on. That's quite something else to see. I'll put that up tonight. And also it says, yet Kerry says the US will double its non-lethal aid to Syrian opposition. I'd hate it to be lethal. I mean, if this is non-lethal, what's happening in, in Syria? What do they mean by lethal? Right? Of course, we'll say they're sending over bandages and, you know, little little sticky plasters and things. Utter rubbish. But we know all this stuff. This is, But we're living in a, an amazing deception in this day and age. They're so cocky at the top that they don't have to even have good scripts anymore. You know, you have to see the movie Wag the Dog. Because in the movie, they, they, they took on a, a producer from Hollywood to help them write a script. Uh, it was all fake and so on, to validate a war on a country which they chose as Albania by the time, by the way. And it even had art, art, uh, excerpts in it that they used later on in reality when when the Serbian uh, war started. And right down to the, the girl with the little dog coming through these burned out buildings, it was all done in a studio. And it turned out that the girl was a daughter of, of the ambassador there in the US at the time. They actually did that in reality. But all that stuff was in Wag the Dog. And it's, it's not unusual for big boys, big boys and the Pentagon, of course, has got an amazing relationship with Hollywood because when they pull off a job 
inside the country that has to go, even in, in London too with 7-7, um, they often leave loopholes, little holes that don't make sense. And they learned years ago that for people who watch soap operas or TV series of things, you have to have continuity between the episodes where this happened or that happened, and the story is always in- continuous. If you had this is omitted from the subsequent think story, uh, everyone will complain, say, hey, what happened to so-and-so? So it's going to be have continuity writers, they have teams of them, and they do bring them on in, into the Pentagon for special events. So always remember that, too. So that's the reality you're living in today, where you don't know what's real, what isn't. You can see a lot of things that simply don't make sense. But uh, as I say, it doesn't matter in these things. They always get what they want. The majority of the public will fall for it because they want to fall for it. Because it's unthinkable that perhaps your government could have at least stopped this, perhaps, if not set it up. Now, as we go into this wonderful world order into austerity, uh, and I've mentioned before, the Royal Institute for International Affairs is a private organization that has the big foundations, trillions of dollars to spare in the world to, to governments of, of our NGO armies. They set the policy for governments across the world. Uh, they're advisors to all governments, and the CFR department's the same. This is a branch of them. And also they run the Fabian Society. For those who don't know that, you have to go into your history books and find out the ones, members who are members of the setting up of their own Institute for International Affairs and then the workmen's branch because you always run the, the left wing and the right wing in the same group. So they create the Fabian Society. And uh, this is from the, the Fabian Society. It says, left wing think tank says, strip the old age pensioners of benefits. And folk will still vote Labour, you know, after reading this. But anyway, it says, better off pensioners should be stripped off taxpayer-funded benefits, a left-wing think tank will claim today. The Fabian Society will also call for the swinging tax on large homes so elderly are encouraged to downsize. In other words, move out where you are and get some, and go into the old age homes where they'll kill you, you know. The Fabian Society will also call for a swinging tax on large homes so elderly are encouraged to, but they call it downsizing. The Fabian Society, which is close links to the Labour Party, is set to provoke anger by claiming that many retired people are doing well out of the welfare system. And the pamphlet date will also call for a swinging new tax. Whereas what is needed is a grand bargain between the generations, not a tax on the elderly, say the opponents, and so on. But I'll put this article up for those who want to peruse it and see how they, they still love labour and all the rest of it. It's a shame folk fall for the party lines, or dad voted this way, or whatever, and they do the same thing, without question. Also, two tonight, I'll put up a link to two in Britain, at least they're going after paedophiles, and some of them are setting up sting operations for the guys who try to set up uh, actual meetings, first through internet with their target victims. And and it says, caught on camera at the moment, online paedophile hoping to meet a 14-year-old is confronted by vigilante parents and sting operations. That eventually will get banned because there'll be special people too, you see. And it's their sexual preference and therefore they can't help it, etc., etc. And you should pity them, etc., maybe fund them too, etc. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
high folks were back cutting through the matrix and and also, too, as I said before, the, the, the boys who set up this world order with this globalization plans for the future, which we're in now, of course, and they set it up a 100 years ago, uh, said they would bring in uh, the IMF to manage the affairs of all countries across the planet, the World Bank as well, and uh, the Bank for International Settlements. And they've got all that they wanted. It's all happening. And when they started to amalgamate nations together under unions, then they would they would bring up the do away so much with the or lessen the national central banks, and make it an important block central bank, which they've done in Europe, for instance. And that again is uh, again subservient to the Bank for International Settlements. They're all already exist. They're all private, by the way. And, uh, and it's supposed to just be like Bill Gates, who wanted to help people, these big world banks, you see. It's wanting to help people. But this article here talks about the, the tactic that's been used over and over. It says the liquidity tsunami that started in September 2012 in the Marner Eccles building and continued with the, the, the BOJ's own epic of quantitative easing expansion three weeks ago has so far provided the impetus for Europe to kick the can of its inevitable dissolution for a few more months. Yet slowly but surely the market is starting to read through the artificial levels implied by Italian and Spanish bonds driven by a recycling called European Common Bank or Central Bank funding via bank and repo conduits. And of course, Japanese carry cash and rumblings of a return to crisis conditions are back. So crisis is great to get the next part of the agenda through always. This is, as always happens, once the crisis talk is back, so is the discussion of a fiscal union. Sure enough, earlier today, Germany's Angela Merkel once again reminded everyone just what the stakes are in order to achieve a truly stable and sustainable European Union. She said nothing short of ceding sovereignty to Germany. There you go. Nothing short of ceding sovereignty to Germany. And with that, we're back to square one because that's always been the trade-off. Want a united fiscally and monetarily Europe, you can get it just bowed down to Merkel. And it says, speaking at an event hosted at the Deutsche Bank in Berlin alongside Polish Prime Minister Donald Tusk, Merkel also defended her approach to the crisis against critics who argue she's put too much emphasis on austerity, saying Europe must find a way to deliver both growth and solid finances. So I'll put this up tonight too, how they create the crisis to get the next part in, then another crisis to get the next part in, until until you're all exactly where they wanted you. Because it's run by tacticians, long-term, long-ranging tactical teams. That's how it's working. Also tonight, tonight, I've always said we're so studied. Every generation has studied perfectly to see if all the indoctrination and changes they plan for each generation have actually worked. And they're very, very accurate, actually. This article's book is called Narcissistic Broke and Seven Other Ways to Describe the Millennial Generation. It says this new generation of adults portrayed most recently in HBO's Girls, whatever that is, TV program, I guess, has proved quite difficult to define, but not for lack of trying. It says millennials have both embraced and tried to distance themselves from the characters in this particular program, who some say epitomize the narcissistic wayward generation. Now go back into Bertrand Russell's books, The Impact of Science and Society, and a few other books he wrote. He helped to set up the cultural changes from, from the 1940s to the present. We're still going through them. He and, and his teams worked out the changes. And he said that will bring in a narcissistic and hedonistic society. They'll be totally controlled by government. They won't be bothered about politics at all or what's happening. That's happened, you see. So it says here, millennials have both embraced and tried to distance them from the characters, but some say uh, they're so narcissistic. 
It says, who are the millennials? Aside from being born in the 1980s and 90s, they comprise a generation that continues to elude a neat definition. It says, um, millennials have come uh, under review focus in the media amongst the literati in the boardrooms of marketers trying to pinpoint what this demographic wants. Here are nine ways that the millennials have been described. They're natural entrepreneurs, it says. They call it generation sell. Millennials are less inclined to join a commune or a movement and would rather start a small business. As is brought up in the heroic age of dot-com and entrepreneurship that defines the 1990s and distrustful of large organizations, including government, the millennial views small business as the idealized social form at the time. Number two, but they aren't acting on whatever entrepreneurial instincts they have. And then you go into Mark Zuckerberg as a baby, of course, sits comfortably in the millennial generation, but the social network magnet is, in this view, the exception rather than the rule. Older American entrepreneurs are now 30% more common than younger ones, says David Yanofsky at Quartz. And this divide is only going to grow wider. According to the Kaufman Foundation report in 2012, millennial generation business initiatives declined to a six-year low. For every 100,000 young adults, only 230 startups were created. Whereas in the 55 to 64 and 35 to 44 age groups, 340 businesses per 100,000 people were created. Millennials are also spendthrift. This is the study showed that millennials who have been swamped by ad campaigns since they were in the crib are more likely than their elders to spend big, especially on new technologies, says Julie Halpert, the Fisker Times. It says that the studies say millennials are addicted to instant gratification. And see, that's true enough. They wanted a society that would want instant gratification and they couldn't postpone it and work hard towards their goal. They want it now. You see, so that's all worked. Uh, it says that the view, uh, the view new gadgets as needs, not wants. Millennials are also the fastest growing demographic of those who purchase luxury goods, says Rachel Krauss at the Frisky, engaging the kind of lavish, indiscriminate consumerism that will lead to the death rattle of their bank accounts. Number four, and they're broke. The new survey shows that 25% of millennials reported not having enough money to cover their basic needs. And so on and so on. I'll put this article up tonight. It says too, of course, a socialist, and that's the training they've had in school. It says, looks like the, the left-wing cries of socialist takeover may be based in more than paranoia. Says Nona Willis uh, Aronauts at uh, Good Polls, that's the name of this place, show that 49% of millennials view socialism in a favourable light compared to 43% who view it unfavourably. Well, they went, they went to town on this particular generation to actually, and actually teach them. I've met them in Canada. Uh, and saying that all they get taught in school was that communism was a good, a good thing. Communism was a good thing, folks. The thing that slaughtered 80 million people and wiped out a whole class of people was that was a good thing. This is uh, millennials are also the generation of Occupy Wall Street the anti-corporate movement. And it's not hard to figure out why our generation isn't so gung ho about capitalism. It's disappointed in some cases, straight faced, straight up failed us. And they're narcissistic. It says. It says here, one study says that millennials are more narcissistic than their elders and increasingly value money, image, and fame more than inherent principles like self-acceptance, affiliation, and community. While college students in 1971 ranked as being very well off financially, as their number eight concern for millennials is consistently at the top of the list. They're politically engaged, it says. Many assume that millennials can't be bored to put down their bongs and go out to vote, but the truth is that millennials are voting in increasing numbers. They're less religious, but that was also not taught in them too when they were getting taught communism in the schools. 
A new study shows that college-aged millennials are increasingly moving away from their religious affiliation in their childhood, says Joe Carter at the Gospel Coalition. 25% of younger millennials are unaffiliated with religion, up from 11% who were affiliated with religion in childhood. Actually, they're all a lot more into New Age stuff, because everybody seeks it one way or another. They go into the shopping spree of religion, and they pick something that, that's got no rules, and lets them do as they want, generally. Next is number nine, they're stressed out as well. So I'll put this article up for those. See, we're getting studied like ants, folks. It's just amazing. And you'll find these studies are pretty, pretty accurate. In other words, I want to make sure that their indoctrination has worked. Now also, this article, this article here is pretty good. The privatization of water. Nestle Company denies that water is a fundamental human right. Now these guys literally go through rivers of this stuff. Uh, that they sell and so on. This is the current chairman and former CEO of Nestle, the largest producer of food products in the world, believes the answer to global water issues is privatization. Of course they all do, because they're only all. This statement is on record from the wonderful company that's peddled junk food in the Amazon, has invested money to thwart the labeling of GMO-filled products, has a disturbing health and ethics records for its infant formula, went all over the world, but mainly in China, remember that? A lot of them died on it, remember? They're putting in the, the, uh, the melanin, I think it was, they were putting into the stuff to make it whiter when they were actually taking all the goodness out of the milk so they could put a substitute whitener in. And it says, and has deployed a cyber army to monitor internet criticism and shape discussions in social media. It's happening, uh, this is apparently a company we should trust to manage our water despite the record of large bottling companies like Nestle having a track record of creating shortages. I mean, they've, they've put tons out in the States, out for business by taking, commandeering rivers and everything. Large multinational beverage companies are usually given water well privileges and even tax breaks over citizens because they create jobs. This is their, their joke, you see. Which is apparently more important to the local governments and water rights to the other tax-paying citizens. The companies such as Coca-Cola and Nestle, which bottles suburban Michigan well water and calls it Poland Spring, suck up millions of gallons of water, leaving the public to suffer with shortages. This is on the way of the whole future, and they've been doing this for years. I've seen very good articles and documentaries on this, in fact. But understand, as I say, the Royal Ship of International Affairs sent off their boys to take over the world and all of its resources. Natural resources, uh, your food, water, everything, gold, diamonds, uh, iron ore, everything across the planet is theirs, doing private hands. And a lot of them get government funding for all these different uh, new projects. And uh, it says, this is a good article, too about a student called um, uh, Henron. Henron, his name is Rendon. This is a student who caught out the professionals, who are professors, actually. You understand that, and, and today they always brandish these papers that come out by the top professors on economics, etc. And these guys are the guys who pushed the case for austerity on the whole planet. And a student, the student just couldn't make their, all their stuff fit. And he found out so much stuff was missing from it, he brought it up, and now they've verified he's quite right. Everything's fudged. It says, this week economists have been astonished to find that a famous academic paper often used to make the case for austerity cuts contains major errors. Another surprise is that the mistakes by two eminent Harvard professors were spotted by a student doing his homework. And it says here, 
It's 4th of July 2010, the Marriott Hotel in Atlanta, the annual meeting of the American Economic Association. Professor Carmen Reinhardt and the former chief economist of the International Monetary Fund, Ken Rogoff, are presenting a research paper called Growth in a Time of Debt. At a time of economic crisis, their finding resonates, economic growth slows dramatically when the size of a country's debt rises above 90% of gross domestic product, the overall size of the economy. Word about this paper spread, policymakers wanted to know more. And so did the student Thomas Hendra, Hen, Herndon, this is, Herndon is. His professors at the University of Massachusetts Amherst set up his graduate class in that assignment, picking an economics paper and see if he replicated his results. After all, you're supposed to be able to replicate all these results that these guys hand out. It's going to change all our lives, right? And it says Thomas chose growth in a time of debt. It was getting a lot of attention, but intuitively says he was dubious about its findings. Some key figures tackling the global recession found this paper a useful addition to the debate at the heart of which is the key question. Is it best to let debt increase in the hope of stimulating economic growth to get out of the slump, or is it better to cut spending and raise taxes aggressively to get the public debt under control? EU Commissioner Ole Wren and an influential US Republican politician Paul Ryan have both quoted a 90% debt to GDP limit to support their austerity strategies. It says, but while U.S. politicians were arguing over where to inject more into the economy, the euro was creaking under the strain of forced austerity, and a new coalition government in the U.K. was promising to raise taxes and cut spending to get the economy under control. Thomas Herndon's homework assignment wasn't going well. No matter how hard he tried, he just couldn't replicate Reinhardt and Rogoff's results. And then he found out all the stuff that they'd omitted and have them included in the results would have made a completely different answer altogether. But don't forget that every study that's done, especially since you're trained to believe experts, all the t- and, and papers are put out, as I say, uh, about them, it's meant to influence the world and the politicians to change po- social policies. These are social policies, folks. You can't keep politics out of these guys at the top. That's what they're there for. And they'll fudge anything. Look at the IPCC and all the global warming nonsense has been ripped apart doesn't matter, they keep on with it. It's for a social change. To change society across the planet. And the way you live. Minutely. The minutest detail. So I'll put this up tonight too. Plus, White House approves radical radiation cleanup rollback. This is, this is the White House has given final approval for dramatically raising permissible radioactive levels in drinking water and soil following radiological incidents, such as nuclear power plant accidents and dirty bombs. The final version is slated for the Federal Register publication as soon as today as a win for the nuclear industry, which seeks what its proponents call a new normal. Everybody's picked up this new normal that I started years ago for radiation exposure amongst the U.S. population, according to public employees for environmental responsibility. Issued by the Environmental Protection Agency, the ration guides called Protective Action Guides, or PAGs, allow cleanup many times more lax than anything EPA has ever before accepted. These guides govern evacuations, shelter-in-place orders, food restrictions, and other actions following a wide range of radiological emergencies. The Obama administration blocked a version of these PAGs from going into effect during its first days in office. The version given approval late last Friday is substantially similar to those proposed under Barack but duck some of the most controversial aspects. So, well, we all know that there's more radiation now since Fukushima. It's still happening, by the way. And we know we've all got those with it. It's in the soil and everything else. But it's okay, this up the permissible limits. And they know lots of us are going to just die off, you know. They know that too. 
And it's this article too says, Law Enforcement Technology, the Department of Homeland Security funded police gear blurs the line between crime fighting and war fighting. It says DH is, is funding the, the, the purchase of military gear of Bay Area Police Departments. Critics of the program say the money allocated for the war on terror is blurring the line between local law of enforcement focusing on crime fighting and soldiers fighting in an enemy war zone. And that's exactly the purpose of it. That is the purpose of it. Your future is to be like a science fiction movie. And they put lots out in the past where you see these various scenarios. A, a bleak future, uh, lots of the ordinary folk, the faceless people, and nameless people, all living in rubble. And these massive uh, armies, well-clad, uh, armoured and whole bits. Uh, that are the, what the guys, they call them the winners, actually, don't they? And um, it's just astonishing. But it says here, and it's great for business, all ordering, all this stuff. It said, it didn't stop the San Mateo County's Office of Emergency Services requesting $70,000 for a drone. And San Francisco's law enforcement agencies tried to purchase a drone as well, but their $100,000 request is still pending. The same goes for San Jose's bomb squad, which put in an $8,000 request. It says, Contra Costa Times reports that most of the requests didn't uh, encounter opposition because the money being spent was federal funds that the Department of Homeland Security gives to cities the department considers might be a high risk for a terrorist attack. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these guys will have little terrorist attacks or fake ones or foiled ones so they can get more and more funding. And it's great business, isn't it? Great business. But this is the future. You're going to live in a perpetual martial law war zone. Perpetual war is what they said in their own military magazine, remember. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Also, Canada announced today that uh, they foiled a plot for some uh, would-be terrorists uh, that were perhaps going to blow up a train. But apparently, they don't have very much data on it, except they've been watched for a year. It didn't say about them making any bombs or anything. It just says that that they did intended to do basically one day. And of course, they tried to tie them in with other terrorist groups and even said linked with Iran. Of course, Iran's when you come up, up, up until you know, the US or Israel or combined force goes into Iran as well, because that's the next target after Syria. But I'll put this link up tonight too for those who want to see it. There's not much really data on it at all. And also too, the head rabbi of the Israeli military, Brigadier General Rafi Peretz, believes non-Jews should not have equal rights with the Jews in Israel. That's quite big news as well, but it's not news to a lot of folk. Says Rabbi said the idea of giving non-Jews equal rights in Israel goes against the principles of the Torah and government reps have no authority to go against the Torah's teaching. Says this is why many researchers believe that the current Torah has been distorted and does not contain the original teachings of the prophet Moses. Peretz's racist ruling has been published in a book called Laws of the Mezuzah, published by the Israeli military rabbinate. The book, which has been recently distributed in Israel military bases, has been ordered, authored by the rabbis, Captain Alexander Rones, Captain Dov Berkovich, and Captain Hananiah Shafran. The book advocates installing mezuzahs, which are fixed to doorposts by Jews as a sign of faith, in army bases, and says the presence of non-Jews in Israel army bases cannot be used as a reason for not affixing the mezuzahs, and so on. Also says that even if government property is like a cooperative, since the public in general is Jewish, as long as non-Jews have not purchased a part of the assets, they have no right to government property. 
But uh, they keep saying that it's the most democratic state in the Middle East and, and so on. And also, there's uh, a group of Russian Navy warships docked to the southern, southern Iranian port city of Bandar Abbas after a long journey from the Pacific. And so it's the fleet comprised of Admiral Pantelyev, anti-submarine destroyer and logistic battleships at Perisvet, and Admiral Novelskoy with a crew of 712 docked at the Iranian port on Sunday. So they've moved into that area as well. And mind you too, there's a lot of oil deals and that going on there as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the whole idea of this new feudalistic system that Carl Quigley talked about since he was a personal historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, he said the new feudal system will be comprised of the, the, the CEO as being the new warlords or overlords of regions. And everything had to be privatized, you see. We're, we're going through the whole privatization system. This is privatizing the Royal Mail. This is Britain will wreck the UK's postal service warrant workers. Well, they're privatized with everything, even over here too. And they privatized water in this, in this, in Britain. They privatized so many things. And electricity went up too, massively. And it's still going up and there's no end in sight in all the countries that they've privatized, including Canada. So this is the way the future, that's, that's why you're doing austerity, because you have nothing left. All your spending money will go to, to absolute necessities. Russia meat imports, this is Canada, sees 42 of 60 meat plants banned. Russia's banned a lot of meat from Canada. It says it plans to send inspectors to Canadian cattle and hog plants beginning next month after it recently unveiled stricter rules on its meat imports. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency said the changes effectively, effective immediately mean that Russia will only accept meat imports from 19 Canadian plants. That's because of a particular chemical that uh, Canada uses is banned in a lot of countries. But we're okay in Canada. We were also the guinea pigs for the GMO foods as well. But it's called ractopamine. This is chemical. I'll put the article up for night tonight for those who want to know. They've probably been eating it for years and didn't know it. From Hamish from Seattle, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>